0: My message this morning I titled Revealed by Fire. We're going to continue in 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 3, well, jumps us to 13. Chapter 3 verses 1 through 17. But let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your sweet spirit. That we sense is in this place. Father we know that we gather in your name. We know that your spirit is upon us. We know that your spirit is in us and works through us. And Father I pray that you would work great and mighty things through us. For your glory Father. Not our own. Father you deserve all the credit. That's what the message is about today. You deserve all the glory Father. not, Not us. It all belongs to you Father. We worship you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus Lord God. We thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, may Your presence be with us, Father, not just in this hour, but in every hour of every day. Father, may You be with us, keep us, and protect us in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. First Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now... You were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Listen to that. Are you behaving like mere men? Are you behaving like mere women? For one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom believed as the Lord gave to each one, through whom you believed as the Lord gave each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor." For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me by a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, which is Christ... With gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work, of what sort it is. And if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Amen. May God add his blessings to the re- hearing and the reading of his holy word. You know the apostle Paul was just one of the amazing amazing authors of many books in the Bible. God used him, God spoke through to him Through the Holy Spirit, we have many books from the Apostle Paul. Fourteen epistles that Paul wrote became part of the Bible that we have today. That is triple the number written by Moses. He answered the Lord's call, which sent him on at least five missionary journeys. His journeys took him to Asia Minor, Syria, Greece, Italy, Spain, Britain, and elsewhere. Paul evangelized in countless cities, proclaiming the message of Christ... He is responsible for training many others to continue the ministry of the gospel. He trained many to go on and teach and become missionaries as he was also. So if there was anyone that had this, the, the credentials, if you will, to boast about all that he had accomplished for the Lord, it would be Paul. He had plenty to boast about, didn't he not? Amen. Plenty to boast about. But the only thing that Paul boasts about is his infirmities his infirmities. He boasts about them. He did not boast about, oh, look at all the churches I planted. Look at all the journeys I went on. In 2 Corinthians, he boasts about his infirmities. 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 30. Paul says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. He's just speaking facts here. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. I did the math, that's 195. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Paul understood spiritual things. He understood that as he planted these churches, he understood that the devil would come in to try to destroy these churches and tear them down. So that's his deep concern. His deep concern is the spiritual aspects of the church. He was concerned for the false teachings that would come in. He was concerned about the divisions that would arise in the churches. They troubled him. That's what he's boasting about. That I, He says, I love each of these churches so much that I have this great concern, this burden on my heart for each one. Paul continues to speak about the division in the church that he spoke of back in chapter 1. Some say that I am of Apollo's, Others say I am of Paul. Some say I am of Peter, and on and on and on. But Paul reprimanded the church for their immaturity. He is basically telling to them, speaking to you, is like speaking to babies. You are still on baby food. That's what he's telling them. By now, you should be on solid meat. Amen. But I'm still having to feed. Matter of fact, they're not even on the Gerbers. He's feeding them milk. He's feeding them from the bottle. They're that immature. I mean, because the, you know, garbage is kind of solid, not real good. But he's still having to feed them milk. That They're that immature in the faith. Because he's saying, when you say, well, I'm of this one or I'm of that one in a division, you are thinking with a carnal mind. You do not understand the spiritual things. Carnal means to be mere human, it means to be flesh. It means to be unspiritual and worldly. My friends, the church needs to grow beyond that. We need to speak or think of the spiritual things. We cannot remain there where we're always being jealous or envious or boastful or any of those things because they are all carnal, they are of the flesh. We could go to the Galatians and, and look at the works of the flesh. We need to grow and be beyond that church. All of it. I'm talking about the church as a whole. We need to get beyond that. There is no place for boasting in the church about anything that we think that we may have accomplished. There is no place for competition in the church. Competition between the the different uh, positions in the church. No place whatsoever for competition. What does he say later on in Corinthians? The hand cannot say to the foot because I am not the foot. I don't belong. There is a place for everyone and there's no place for competition. I'm not talking about sports, guys, over here. I'm talking about spiritual things. There is no place for competition. There's no place for boasting. And here's why there is no place for boasting. Verse 9, Paul said, and this is a New King. Came- King James Version, which is my favorite most of the time. He said, what did he say? Go back to verse 9. I lost it. We are fellow laborers, but the King James Version, let's just go to that. The King James Version says, for we are laborers together with God. Let that sink in for just a moment. We are. All of us, we are fellow laborers together with whom? With God. The Greek meaning here means co-laborers or companions in labor. We are companions together in labor with God to accomplish His plans, His purpose, His will, but we are laboring with Him. Fellow workers. Fellow workers. I think the King James Version does a better job helping us understand of who we are joined with, who are we are working together with. I will say that as I read this previously, when I read that I thought, well, he's talking about fellow laborers with God. I thought he's talking about the, 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 the union of the church people together, working together for God's kingdom. But we are actually united together with God through the power of His Holy Spirit for His work. We are fellow laborers with Him. So, in a roundabout way, yes, we are together fellow laborers. But remember, it's God. It's with Him. So, friends, that is why we have nothing to boast about. Because anything we accomplish is through Him. Because we are fellow laborers with Him. He's the brains of the works. He's the power of the works. Amen? It's through Him. He deserves all the glory. You know, Paul said, I might plant the seed. I may plant the seed and another comes along and waters it, right? So Paul's saying, I might plant the seed, meaning I might be the one to pull that nice cultivated earth back. I'm talking about that heart ready to receive. I might pull that cultivated earth back and plant the seed. Someone else may come along and water that seed. Someone else may have been responsible for the cultivation of that earth. For that heart. Someone else might have been responsible to speak to someone and help get that heart ready to receive that seed. Amen? Amen? Then someone else may come along and water it, speak another word. Someone else may come along and reap the harvest, right? Amen. Lead that person to Christ. But who cares who gets credit for what? That's right. Does it really matter who gets credit as long as a soul is saved? When I look back and think of my own experience as becoming a believer, I can name many, many that were vital instruments that God used. They were His co-laborers to plant the seed in my heart. I can name one. My grandmother was very vital. Right here sitting on the front row, Pastor Gary Trail was vital. Mike Santamire was very vital. Vital in helping plant that seed in my heart. A Sunday school teacher named Ronnie. Many I could name. Not just one. They all played an important role. And you may be able to say and think the same thing. That there were many. Not just one. But they were all co-laborers working together with God to plant that seed in your heart and in my heart. Amen? Amen. So are we going to give? I'm not going to give one God a credit. I'm not. Right. Gary wants it all, but I'm not. He gets a lot of it. He does get a lot of credit, a lot of the glory for. Remember what you
1: just read,
0: though. <laughs> I know. He doesn't want it. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But who cares who gets the credit? As long as a soul is saved, the seed is planted, Amen. the seed is watered, and the seed is harvested. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who gets the glory among men, because all the glory must go to Jesus Christ, the Son, for His sacrifice. It must go to the Father for His amazing grace. And it must go to the Holy Spirit for His work in and through us. So why should we boast? Why should we boast? No boasting. I found a story. It's actually Mongolian folklore, but it helps us to understand why we should not boast. It's about a little boastful frog. There were two geese about to start southward on their annual autumn migration. When they were entreated by a frog to take him along, he said, man, I'd like to go south. I'd like to go to some warmer weather. So when the geese expressed their willingness to do so, if a means of conveyance could be devised. So the frog produced a long stalk of stiff grass, and he got the geese to each one take an end, while he clung to it in the middle by his mouth. So in this manner the three were making their journey south, when they were noticed from below by some men. The men loudly expressed their admiration for the device and shouted to the three who had been clever enough to discover this idea. Whereupon the vainglorious frog opened his mouth and said, It was I, it was I. Then he lost his hold and fell to the ground and dashed to pieces. What's the moral of the story, folks? When you have a good thing, going, keep your mouth shut. Right? Don't boast. Do not boast. Just a funny story. But do not boast. You know, the last part of verse 9, Paul uses two different metaphors to describe the church. First, he said that you are God's field. The church at Corinth and the church body is the tilled ground, the soil. We are the... The field, God's fields, where He plants. And you know, there's many in the church today that God's planted and someone's watering and they're growing and they're maturing. I mean, just like Paul's word to Corinth here. There's different levels of maturity. But we are God's field. And we just need to continue to grow. We need to continue to be strong until the the full harvest comes. But I like the second metaphor. You are God's building. But I want to add verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, so many times our discussion in Sabbath school kind of points to what the message is going to be for today. And we were talking about the bedrock how you have to get down to bedrock if you're going to build a building or a structure. You've got to go down to bedrock to lay the foundation. My friends, I like to talk about this because I know about building. If you're going to build a house, you're not going to just go out there and dig down about a foot deep and pour a little bit of concrete about that thick and build a house. It may st- if you build this in the summertime, it may hold up for a little while. But friends, what's going to happen in the wintertime when things begin to freeze and things begin to thaw? That foundation is not going to hold. It's not going to be strong enough. It's not going to be thick enough. It's not going to to bear the weight of the building. If you build a house and went down and only put about a three-inch footer in there to build that house, the foundation, down here, one little crack or one little dip up at the top of that house, it's going to open it up wide. Because you put a level on something, on a wall, and it's out of level. If you've got a quarter inch and four feet, you're going to have five inches and 20 feet. You know? So if the foundation's not strong, if it will not hold, it's going to open that thing up, and it's going to be open to the, to the elements, to nature. It's going to be open, and it's going to let the rain come in. It's going to let the, the, the sun come in. It's going to let the snow come in then what's going to happen to that house? It will not stand. That house will come crashing down. It will fall. It will be destroyed when it is divided. When a house is divided, it will not stand. You must go down to the bedrock. You must go to the bedrock and you must build with a firm foundation, a strong foundation. You cannot cheapen the foundation. You cannot... Uh, Use inferior products when you build the foundation. You know, Paul is speaking of foundation and you build upon that thing and sometimes you do build upon the foundation. He's talking about the church with hay and straw, but other times with gold and silver and precious things. You know, if you build a house and if you did put a nice, good, strong foundation in there, you know, 10 inches thick of concrete on the foundation and 3 feet wide and concrete uh, foundation or block... And then you went and you put nice, good, heavy floor joists in there, but from there up, well, well, I've got to cut costs a little bit. And if you lose little two-by-twos to build the walls, what's going to happen when the storm comes? It's not going to stand up to the storm, is it? It's going to come crashing down. The foundation, my friends, is the most important part of the house, of the building. The foundation is the most important part of the church today. And the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. He is the bedrock. He is the firm foundation that the church is built upon. My friends, when you, you know, I'm, I was thinking of churches, churches today, and there's a lot of differences in churches. You know, we have Baptist churches, we've got episcopal churches, we've got Adventist churches, we've got assembly of God churches, and on and on and on. And there's many little different, little things that separate us and make us different. But the one thing that needs to be the firm foundation is Jesus Christ. If a church ceases to have Jesus Christ as their foundation, they cease to be a Christian church. Period. If Jesus Christ is not the foundation, they are no longer a Christian church. That is the end of the conversation. I don't know what they want to call themselves, but they are no longer a Christian church if Christ is not the foundation. He must be the foundation. And Paul's concerned because he knows the enemy's always going to come in and try to destroy. He's talking about the hay and the wood and all those things that we build upon is the little things that really doesn't matter. They're not foundational truths. We might have differences on how we should baptize. Does it really? Is it that important? Is that a foundational truth? The foundation is Christ. There's so many little, different little things that can divide us. But we need to get beyond that. We need to be mature in Christ. Whenever that fire comes, what did Paul say? You may suffer loss. Some of those things that were built with wood or straw or inferior things may burn away. But as long as you have Christ in your heart and that firm foundation, you will be saved. You may suffer some loss, but we need to build with superior products. We need to build with all that Christ has, with what God is leading us to build with. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them... I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was was its fall. If you build on a... on the sand, it's going to sink. Sinking sand. I know that my wife loves the beach, but as we've went to the beach for many, many years, there's a lot of houses out right on the ocean. And as the storms come in, they begin to wash away the sand. Wash away the sand. Now, some of those houses are up on 8 and 10 foot stilts, and some of them are leaning like this because it just keeps washing that sinking sand away. We have to build the house on the solid rock. The church has to be built on the solid rock. We cannot cut corners. We cannot. A church can start out on the right foundation. And then someone comes in with a doctrine that is not of God. And it can divide that church. We were kind of talking about that this morning. What if someone come in and said, This, this is all a lie. Here's what you need to be following. We need to test the Spirit. We need to make sure it is of God. We make Amen. sure that it lines up with the Word of God and make sure it is true. Paul said, each one's work will become clear. Malachi speaks of the day. Malachi 3, 1-3. says, Behold, I send my messengers, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek... Will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. In whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, or who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. When you think of purifying, how they purify gold and silver, they put the heat under it. And that heat brings the impurities to the top. And they skim it off. They skim all the impurities off the top, don't they? Sometimes we do have some impurities in our life. But Jesus can refine us. He is the refiner. He can refine us. We need to let that fire work in our lives. We need to let that fire burn. That one song, let that fire burn in me. Well, let that fire burn and refine us. We need, And it's a matter of humbleness. Not boasting, but it's humbling ourselves before Him. And allow the Spirit to refine us. He says, I am holy, so you therefore be holy. Be holy as I am. We are to imitate Him. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives... Cleanse us. Create in me a pure heart, O God. He will cleanse us so that whenever that day comes, we will stand. And we will stand when we stand on Jesus Christ, the firm foundation. Amen. Amen. Amen?